something. <laughs> so I'm going to put in a plug, first of all, for that Connected Families event. I have two littles at my household, one and three. And my husband and I went to a Connected Families event a few years ago when they were hosting here at Mercy. And I continually draw on the principles that they set out. Um, I don't always do them. I aspire to do them. Um, but I printed it off, put it on our kitchen cabinets where we always are, and really um, are drawn to their culture of connection and their foundation of connection. So if you are a parent, if you are a caregiver, if you are even just someone who works with kids and wants a different framework for interaction, with children, um, I encourage you to sign up for that event. Again, I'm not going to feel bad if you pull out your phone and pull out the Mercy app while I am preaching, so um, sign up for that right now. Love to see you. So we are continuing our series today called We Are Mercy. For the last couple weeks, we have been diving into our values here at Mercy, the things that shape our culture and who we are, and the reasons for why we come together on a Sunday morning um, to worship. Um, last week, Cassie talked about being biblically and culturally thoughtful. And this week, we're going to talk about the value of healthy relationships. And so I think there was kind of like some discussion on staff, and it's like, well, why not throw Kelly in there? She's the community life pastor. She'll know about relationships. I know a little bit about relationships, but a lot of what I've learned is from all of you. And so I invite you today um, to come and um, come with your own experiences, to come and share within that, and to share with each other after the service, engage in some healthy relationship, go out to the cafe and get some coffee. Um, so as a church community, we want to be a people who pursue healthy relationships themselves. Grab that. All right. We aren't satisfied just walking into church on a Sunday morning, listening to some preaching, walking out, listening to some good worship music, walking out to get coffee. I see you all. I'm in the cafe. I know the pace. You listen to the sermon. You go out. You get coffee. Come back in and listen to good worship. And then leaving and not engaging with relationship with on, beyond that. We pursue relationship with other people in this room, even when it's hard or not convenient. We seek the, the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives and communion with God throughout the week. And so we commit to looking inward and tending to our soul. Here at Mercy, we pursue relationships with God, others, and self. We are Mercy. Now, I want to acknowledge from the outset that for some of you, Talking about relationships is really exciting. You're looking forward to this. You're like, yes, either I'm an extrovert and I get a lot of energy from relationships, or maybe you're an introvert. Sorry. Here, everybody give it up for Dan, our wonderful sound guy. This is why we need each other. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Oh, that is so much better. Thank you, Dan. Um, so I want to acknowledge from the outset that some of you are really excited about this. You might be an extrovert. You might be someone who loves engaging in relationships. You can walk right up to people, and you can say hello, having not met a soul. You're the people who are in the line at the grocery store, and you walk away having like a whole new Facebook friend or like number in your phone. And then there's those of you for whom when I'm talking about healthy relationships, you're cringing a little bit. You're thinking about um, 
where you're at in your relational journey. And maybe there's been some really painful things that have happened within your family. Um, maybe you've been hurt by mercy and you haven't had positive experiences here. Um, there's some of you who have had not had positive experiences with the big C church. And so thinking about healthy relationships makes you cringe a little bit. Um, if that's you, I want you to know, like, that's fine. We're all at different places in our relationships with our families, with our friends, with God, with others, with ourself. Um, and that's part of the kingdom, guys. That's part of the already and the not yet. That God's kingdom is already here on earth, but it's not yet fully realized. And so we live in this tension where there is hurt and there is disappointment mingled among the joy and celebration. So you've experienced what you've experienced, and you're at where you're at, and I just invite you to notice what's going on inside yourself as we start when I say we're talking about healthy relationships. Sit with it. You don't have to deny it. Just kind of think about where, where you're at with that. But I also think there's an invitation for all of us here. In this season of a church, we're figuring out who we are without a senior pastor, we're figuring out who we are without our founders who have been here for 15 years. And there's an invitation for the Holy Spirit to come into our pursuit of healthy relationships, allowing the Spirit to guide us into a season of healing and connection and of welcome and a season of pursuing healthy relationships with God, others, and self in a new way. So I'm going to pray, and then we are going to dive into our passage. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come on this room. I thank you for everybody that you brought here today in spite of really beautiful weather and football and family and friend events that these are people who intentionally carved out an hour and 15 minutes of their life to be here together with us in community. Um, and God, I just, I just speak to the places where there has been hurt or there has dis been disappointment or there has been unhealth in relationships, and I pray that you would just come and sit with people in that place, and I pray that you would be stirring heart towards you, um, towards relationship with you, um, and that people would come and they would feel safe and loved by you in this space. So, Holy Spirit, come on our meeting today. Amen. All right, so when I think of healthy relationships... I, the first word that comes to mind is love. And when I think of love within the context of our church, I think of the passage 1 John 4, 7 to 21. So again, I'm not going to feel bad if you pull out your, your uh, phone, your Bible, whatever it is, and follow along with us. So 1 John 4, 7 to 21. Dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has become a child of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Here's how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. He sent him so we could receive life through him. Here is what love is. It is not that we loved God. It is that he loved us and sent his son to give his life to pay for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us this much, we should also love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. 
His love is made complete in us. Here's how we know that we are joined to him and he to us. He has given us his Holy Spirit. The Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. We have seen it and are witnesses to it. God lives in anyone who agrees that Jesus is the Son of God. This kind of person remains joined to God. So we know that God loves us. We depend on it. God is love. Anyone who leads a life of love is joined to God, and God is joined to them. Suppose love is fulfilled among us. Then we can be without fear on the day God judges the world. Love is fulfilled among us when in this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. That's because fear has to do with being pun that's because fear has to do with being punished. The one who fears does not have perfect love. We love because he loved us first. Suppose someone claims to love God but hates a brother or sister. Then they are a liar. They don't love their brother or sister whom they have seen, so they can't love God whom they haven't seen. Here's the command God has given us. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So in this passage, John sets up the foundational truth upon which the entire Christian faith rests. God is love. Love cannot be separated from God, and God can't be separated for love because he is love. And over and over again in this passage, he speaks on love. And you may have noticed that. You're like, as I'm talking, I feel like all I'm saying is love 26 times in this verse. He brings up in this passage, he brings up love. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Paul sets up God's love, or John, sorry, sets up God's love to precede our loves for others, that God's love must come first. Verse one, let us love one another because love comes from God. So flip those phrases and maybe it becomes a little more clear. Because love comes from God, let us love one another. We can't even begin to think about loving first. We can't even begin to think about healthy relationships with others before we acknowledge healthy relationships with God and self. We love because he loved us first. So ever since college, I've been a huge Brennan Manning fan. Any of you know? He's the other Manning. He's not Peyton. He's not the other one that I don't know his name. <laughs> Eli Manning. Um, Brennan Manning. Very different, does not do football. He was a Franciscan priest, and he was an author. And he had actually kind of like a crazy life. Um, he had a lot of like heartache, and he wrote a lot about the raw and gritty stuff of life. And so when I think about what does it look like to pursue healthy relationships with ourself and to pursue healing within ourself, and then healthy relationships with God, I think of Brendan Manning. Um, he's a, just a man who has been through a lot in life. And Manning writes, my deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ, and I have done nothing to earn or deserve it. So I'm just going to let that sink in for a little bit. Because again, if we're talking about healthy relationships this morning, and we're talking about it in the context of God, others, and self, we got we to gotta think about the self part. And so Brandon, Brandon Manning, he writes, my deepest awareness of myself is that I am loved deeply 
by Jesus Christ, and I have done nothing to earn or deserve it. So no matter who we are, where we've been, what we've done, what we come from, we receive the love of God because 1 John says God is love. His very nature is love, and he cannot be separated from love. God cannot separate himself from love because he is love. He gives us not only love, but true and abundant life. And so some of you, when you're hearing this, it's like, yes, God, I receive your love. You may be in a place of openness today. And when you think about um, relationship with, with God and others and self, you're like, yes, God, I receive. And yet others of you are maybe having a hard time thinking about receiving God's love without any strings attached. And last fall, some of you might know if you fall, whatever, for friends on Facebook, mostly. I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a poster on Facebook. I'm a regular poster. I'm a kind of millennial on the front end of millennial life. So I didn't always have a phone, but definitely now always have a phone. Um, and so if you followed me or like if you talked to me here at church, last fall, um, my daughter, Audra, had a lot of health complications as a newborn. And most of my family lives hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And so we were left dealing with this health crisis in our family with myself, my brother and sister-in-law who are over here, and our church community. Um, people started coming out of the woodwork when we were going through this, bringing me meals, bringing us um, things to clean our house. They would stop by and they would bring notes of encouragement. They would let me know that they were praying for them. Um, they would watch our son. And I will tell you, there's nothing quite, quite like being like a sob, sobbing, messy, unshowered person and receiving these things. There's something quite as humbling as that. Um, I, was, I was like, gosh, I remember thinking at one point, like, really? I can't get into a conversation with you without crying because I am going through this deep, dark time with my daughter. And I can't even ask you about anything that's going on in your life. I don't have the emotional capacity for that. I have zero spiritual, emotional, and relational nuggets to offer you, and yet you are coming to my house. You're bringing me meals. You're watching my son. You're cleaning our toilet. Nothing more like receiving than that, too. Bear your soul. See my bathroom. Um, and looking back, I think I wanted to be like the unicorn person was, who was like, I can do it all and I don't have to receive. But I had to open myself up to receiving from God. And it was a dark, dark time in my life. Um, I would dread the moment. I remember this so clearly. I would dread the moment when my husband would leave the house because I knew that I would be left alone with this crying, screaming baby, with my own feelings of being a worthless mom who didn't always love because it would be hard. And I knew that I would be left alone to deal with my relationship with God. And I didn't have much to offer God, so I sure didn't want to talk to him. I didn't have anything flowery words, and so ignoring him was much easier and, and it was painful. But it was in that place of having to receive from others of in that place of being so utterly in a deep, dark time um, that the Holy Spirit began to move in my life and I really began to learn what it meant to have healthy relationships with God, others, and self. 
The more and more I had to receive from others without giving back, the less and less capable as I felt as like a mom and a wife and a friend, the more I felt the love of God in my life, that there is nothing that I did to earn or deserve it, and that I could just sit in that place of being loved by God and in that place receive God's love. I grew to depend on it as we dealt with our medical mystery baby. And I think that's why some more mature Christians that I know describe like the need for God as the need for air. Because just like I need air to breathe, I needed God to walk with me and sit with me and be in that place of relationship with me in order to live. It's first John, like that's that's straight from the passage. Verse 16 says, We know that God loves us. We depend on it. God is love. And so as a community that is committed to healthy relationships with God and self, we can rest in this truth. My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ, and I have done nothing to earn and deserve it. And out of this place, out of this place of learning to receive from God's spirit, out of this place of healthy relationship and connection to our Father, springs all the other good things of community, springs all the good things of healthy relationship. So again, we can't talk about relationships without talking about God, others, and self. So while we need the foundation of really diving into what does it look like to have healthy relationship with God and with self, um, we look at what the Bible says about healthy relationship with others. And the Bible has a clear mandate. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your brother and your sister. And out of that place of receiving God's love in our life, we can love other. As God's love takes root in our own lives, we can't help but love others. So John uses the concept of being joined to God. He says it multiple times. Be joined to God and God is joined to you. And that makes me think of the expression like joined at the hip. Have you guys heard that? Like joined at the hip. Often it's used in terms of like best friends or people who are always together or couples. Um, when you're joined at the hip, you're with that person all the time. And when you're with someone all the time, you begin thinking like them. You begin acting like them. When we're joined with God in relationship, we become more like him. Now, we were created to be relational beings. There's brokenness of that because we live in the kingdom that is already but not yet. But as we're joined with God in relationship and become more like him... And as we encounter God, who is love, we also embody love as we mature in faith. Love is the healthy foundation for healthy relationships with each other. So when I ask, I get to the opportunity in my role to ask people a lot, just ask a lot of questions, like meeting a lot of new people, meeting people who have been here for many years. And I, I often ask the question, like, what brought you to Mercy? Why are you here? Um, you come back week in week. And I often hear something to the effect of, like, I like how real people are here. We can come, and I can be myself, and I can come with my struggles in the places where I'm at. We're not afraid to ask the hard questions. Or I hear, like, I have friends with whom I can figure faith out with. I can be dealing with the things in my life, and I know that I can still be accepted by our community. And so I do believe that's true. Like, whatever you're coming with today, you are welcome here. God is love. We are joined to God. And as a church community, we then embody love, that welcoming spirit of love. 
And as John talks in today's passage, he talks about how a culture of love is one of trust and absence of fear. And so it doesn't mean that as we're talking about healthy relationships here, that there will be no failings of trust. There will be no failings of um, relationship with one another, no anxiety, no tension. What it means is that we will be able to come and be real and raw. We'll seek understanding and love. We'll dig our heels in when it gets tough. And we do this all in the absence of fear because God has given his Holy Spirit to all believers to guide and to minister and to discern. And so I've really been pondering about this about like what do healthy relationships look like within our church and when and where does it look like the idea of giving up our preferences for the good of others. And so over the summer, my sister and I were talking about parenting, and we were discussing kind of back and forth, like, what is the goal of parenting? Anybody have that, like, big theoretical question? Why do parents exist? What do we do? Is it to raise strong and resilient children? Is it to raise capable children who are able to put their own pants on, which I'll talk about later? Goodness, I hope we get to that place. Um, Is it to raise Christian children who are in faith. Um, and how the heck do we do this parenting thing, and, and why is there not a manual for that? That's, that's, that's what I want to know. How do we teach our kids to interact with one another? So we're discussing parenting. We're discussing the goal. And she starts talking about a friend of hers whose son is um, in her son's school. And this mom has five kids. So I have two kids. My two kids do a lot of fighting. This mom had five kids, and they definitely fought with the best of them, but she was, my sister was watching her friend's kids, and she was like, hmm, there's something, though, going on here. This family is different. They might fight with each other, but there's obviously a culture of mutual respect and love. Like, how did this happen? So my sister just started talking with her friend and was like, how do you parent? What do you do? What is the secret to this? And her friend would just kind of like look at her when she talked and she'd be like, I'm not quite sure this is just how how kids are. My sister's like, definitely not how kids are. Tell me, what's your secret? And she said, in my culture, we are a collective culture. And so we operate with the best of the community in mind. And she said, so we encourage our kids to prefer the needs of others. And they actually use that phrase, prefer others. So when the youngest needs a nap and the other kids are out playing and they want to stay, oh, mom, we're having so much fun, can we please stay? She'll just quietly stop and look at her her other kids and say, can you prefer your younger brother in this moment? Can you prefer your younger brother and go home and play where he can also nap? Like, let's go home. You can play, he can also nap. Can you prefer his need to nap above your own desire to play? And then she said, gave another example, and she was like, okay, so when I'm talking to an adult and my kids come up and they're like, mom, mom, I'm bored, I'm bored, which never happens, I'm sure. Um, She said, I can look at my children and I can say, mommy is talking right now. Can you prefer your mom in this moment and find something to do? And then when I will prefer you and your needs in about 10 minutes, and we'll go find something to do together. Can you prefer the other person? 
I asked them to prefer the other person in that moment. And she said, she went on and she was like, we teach our kids to be individuals, but in my collective culture, we also teach that they are part of a family and they are part of a family first. The world does not ignore them, but it also doesn't revolve around them. We each have times when we prefer the needs of others, and then there are also times when our own needs are preferred within the context of our family. So she said, we think and act communally out of a place of being loved by God and knowing that all of our deepest needs can only be met with God. And it's from that place not ignoring what we're feeling, not neglecting what our needs are, but we submit to a power higher than ourselves. And in that way, we can prefer one another in love. And so the phrase, like, can you prefer your brother? Can you prefer your mom? Can you prefer your sister? Can you prefer your neighbor? Guys, this, is, this isn't just like a mom talking at a mom's group. This is biblical, this concept of preferring one another. This isn't just a collective parent, uh, collective culture parenting approach. It's straight from the Bible. So Romans 10, Romans 10 says, love one another deeply, honor others more than yourselves. Philippians 2.3, don't do anything only to get ahead. Don't do it because you are proud. Instead, be humble. Value others more than yourselves. 1 Corinthians 10.23, Paul writes, follow my example. I'm not looking out for what is good for me. I'm looking out for the interests of others. And then going back to our first John passage, verse 17, love is fulfilled among us when in this world we are like Jesus. So I was thinking about that conversation my sister had with her friend about preferring others, and I was thinking about our church. And it is our desire here at Mercy Vineyard to reflect the kingdom and to be more diverse in every single way, socioeconomic, racially, culturally, age diversity, geographic diversity. I was thinking about mercy and preferring others in the season that we're in, where you get me on a Sunday, hey. Um, you've had a different person. Well, thank you. But you've had a different person up here preaching each week for a long season. And I've been thinking about how my own, this is going to get real, guys, my own preferences are challenged here. I don't always prefer the preaching style. I'm not always going to be, right now I'm preaching, might not be your preferred preaching style. I'm not always going to prefer the worship. I'm not always going to prefer the coffee. <laughs> I've had several people, you know, everybody, we, we give coffee here. Everybody wants to weigh in. I want a darker roast. I want a lighter roast. Yeah, I hear this a lot. Well, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. We're doing a medium. Yeah. My preferences are challenged here. I don't always like what's going on. I don't always prefer what I'm experiencing or seeing. And I get a little salty about it. But it's been a personal challenge of mine in this season to put aside my personal preferences here at Mercy Vineyard Church for the sake of the good of the Mercy community, which is why we're going to continue to have medium coffee, medium roast, because it's for the good of the community. 
When I give up my own right to have my preferred style represented in every way, that allows for the Holy Spirit to come in and move in our congregation. It allows for Jesus to be the foundation of everything that we do and for him to be the center of our church. And it also creates space that other people can feel more connected to Jesus. Because when my preferred style isn't represented, someone else's probably is. And in that, we get to be the fullness and picture of the kingdom of God that is diverse, that can love across differences, that is honoring and preferring one another. Um, we get to be that picture of the sacrifice of Jesus. And I wouldn't say this is like a popular um, concept. I'm going to bare my soul again by telling you about a Netflix show that I'm watching. It feels very vulnerable. I'm like I'm opening myself up to you. You know what I'm watching. Don't, don't judge me. So it's a show called um, Working Moms on Netflix. I'm a little bit embarrassed. <laughs> and Anyway, um, so this show is, I was drawn to it because it's about what it's about. I'm a working mom, and I was like, oh, working moms. Okay, whatever, I could probably relate to this. And it's working moms trying to figure out life with a healthy dose of drama because it's a Netflix series that has three or four seasons, so they have to keep the show going forward. So there's lots of drama in it. And I'm not always seeing a lot of sacrifice in this show. So I think about how it reflects a lot of culture in that I don't really see sacrifice happening. I don't see a lot of preferring other people. In general, people are pretty self-seeking. And when do they do prefer others over themselves, they deal with the consequences of it. So there's a PR ex executive, and she, you know, she does everything in her life to get ahead. Um, and when she leaves a sales pitch to go to her son who is in the hospital, her baby son, she gets fired from her job. So she's preferring the needs of her son over herself, and she gets fired, and she's without a job. And then, of course, the next, whatever, 10 episodes are about her getting her job back and not getting her job back, whatever. But there's not a whole lot of, like, there's not a whole lot of healthy relationships happening in that show. Um, and I still love it, but I'm not going to use it as a guide for healthy relationships here because that's not the secret sauce. Doing everything we can to get ahead in life, um, never giving up our preferences for the sake of other people is not it. The secret sauce is loving others. It's a rootedness of God. It's loving God from that place of being known that we are loved by God, that there's nothing that we have done to earn and deserve it, that God loves us, being in relationship with God, and that is the foundation. 1 John 3.16, by this we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So Jesus is our example. He's our template for healthy relationships. Jesus laid his life down, which I'm going to guess he probably didn't really want to do, wasn't really his preference to do, um, but he was off because, and I say that because he's not only divine, but he was human. And so I can only think from a place of humanness. It was not his preference to lay down his life for the sake of others. But Jesus laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So we must lay down our desires for the sake of others. And I do want to clarify here, laying down our life doesn't mean we ignore what we are thinking and feeling. And it doesn't mean neglecting ourselves. That's not healthy relationship either. Healthy relationship means 
God, others, and self. You've got to look at that as a holistic self. You have to look at yourself as a holistic being with relationship with God, relationship with self, or relationship with others. That's not healthy. It's not biblical to, to neglect yourself. But it does mean that out of a place of receiving God's love and pressing into God's love for us and our self-acceptance of that love, that as we mature, we find the Holy Spirit illuminates places where we must prefer other people over ourselves in love. And that's when we love one another, we serve one another, we put others about ourselves, and we make the transition from saying, I go to mercy, to mercy is my home. And so I've been on staff at Mercy for four years, but I've attended Mercy for 11 years. And throughout the years, God has really raised up formal and informal mentors in my life from this community who have taught me about healthy relationships, who have taught me what a church community and making Mercy my home is. And probably a lot of them don't even know the depth to which they have impacted my life. So one of those informal mentors is a guy named Keong. And Keong challenged me to go beyond an individualistic consumption mentality of church to a deeper understanding of community. So Keong once wrote, the best things in life come through being in meaningful relationships where others, where we can share in both our joys and sorrows. They come through loving others and being loved by them. Love is the opposite of consumption. In Jesus, we find the perfect embodiment of love. He lays down, he lays his own life down on behalf of us, and he calls us to follow after him. Our hope at Mercy Vineyard is that attendees would transition from saying, I go to mercy, to mercy is my church. We don't want people to simply come to mercy for the great worship music, charismatic speakers, and good coffee. We want people to find a sense of home where they can experience the presence of God within the context of a loving community. And guys, that is it. We want people to experience the presence of God within the context of a loving community. Sometimes that means preferring others above ourselves. Another one of those informal mentors is our summer intern, Maria. And Maria is a busy college student with multiple jobs, and yet she has committed to making mercy her home. She shows up. She seeks Jesus with other people. She desires to bring a presence of the Holy Spirit to her spheres of influence in this church and outside of this church. She has taught me what it looks like to say, mercy is my church. And so guys, we need each other to build healthy community. We need the young. We need the old. We need the in-between. We learn from each other, grow together, encourage one another, challenge one another. We are mercy in your church. You are mercy in your church. We pursue healthy relationships. So none of this is rocket scientists. There's nothing here that's really new. Um, it's the basics. But in times of change and uncertainty, and as we're figuring out, moving forward, who we're going to be as a church, rebuilding a little bit of our church life and culture, this is like the home cooking stuff of faith. This is when, when the going gets tough, you go all Paula Dean, right? You go all in and you draw on the basics, the butter, the meat, and potatoes. And this is it. We go back to what we know, that we know, that we know, that we know. And that is that God is love. We are loved by God and we have done nothing to earn and deserve it. And we are called to love others. And that is a pursuit of healthy relationships. 
So now what? Obviously, we're Mercy Vineyard Church. I do understand the preaching style here, so I have three points for you (laughs) on healthy relationships. How do we pursue healthy relationships with God other than self? One, do the inner work. There are people in this room who are carrying deep, deep wounds from family. There are people in this room who are currently battling spiritual warfare, an intense spiritual warfare. There are people in this room who have felt overlooked, unseen, and unwelcomed here at Mercy. And if, that, if that's you, I see you. I can't understand what you're going through, but I remember going through what felt like the valley of the shadow of death with my daughter, Audra, and her health stuff. It's a lonely, hard place. And the thought of healthy relationships might even be like too much for you. This is like the straw that breaks the camel's back. But if this is you, I invite you to do the inner work of healing. When it all hit the fan with Audra, and when I was unable to engage in healthy relationships with other people, I went through something called EMDR therapy with a professional. I sought out spiritual direction. I sought out friends. And I waited longer than I should have to do the inner work that allowed me to engage in a healthy space with my friends, my family, and my church community. And I'm a little sad I didn't do that, ever, that, that earlier. Now, it doesn't mean when you pursue the inner work that you're going to get healed. You might still battle depression. You're still going to experience spiritual warfare. You might still struggle with family wounds. And this is the heartbreaking tension, again, of living in that already but not yet. But I believe that Jesus wants to sit with you in those places as you do the inner work, and he will draw you closer to his heart. And even if you're not currently in crisis, do the inner work. Over the course of life, we'll all have inner work to do. Corey Bush is facilitating an IFS in the Holy Spirit class during At Mercy Wednesdays. Go to that. Talk to Jesse and Libby about inner healing ministry that we have here at Mercy. Find a spiritual director. Make an appointment with a counselor. Like, we can help you with that. As a community, let's prioritize doing the inner work, becoming inwardly healthy so that we can outwardly pursue relationships. All right, healthy relationships with God, others, and self. Tip number two, commit to discipleship. To be a disciple is to be a student. It's to say, I want to be in this for the long haul. I desire to mature in my faith. I know where I am right now, but I don't want to be here in 20 years. I don't want to be in the same space. I want to be moving forward and maturing. Our hope is that you'd build what is called like a sticky faith, faith at last. So Friday night, I was involved, invited to a small group and to chat about how they could serve the church. And it was a lot of gray-haired people in the room, although they wanted to make sure, like if I ever talked about it, that they would say not everybody in the room had gray hair just so that it was known. Um, But these are men and women who have a deep sense of being loved by God and who love, love, love mercy from that place of being loved by God. There were decades of church experience in that room, years upon years of following Jesus. And as they started talking, I realized they had seen a lot. A situation like our church is currently facing was not a surprise to them. It was not anything that was unfamiliar to them. And out from a place of being a disciple of Christ, of prayer and study, and deeply knowing the character of God, they could say from a place of wisdom it was going to be okay and that God is doing a work on our church and we will get through this. And you know what? Even when it's messy, they dug their heels in and they said, this is my church. We are here. We are showing up. We are going to be the community. God is moving here at Mercy and I am going to be a part of it too. And I don't know about you, but that's like the type of healthy relationships I want to experience here. A place of belonging and submission to the Holy Spirit that comes from a foundation of years upon years upon years of prayer and studying scripture. And I think that's one of the reasons that Pastor John Marston is here in our church. He is a gift to our church in this season. 
In a time of great change, when our founding pastors are gone, John is serving up that Paula Dean style of pastoring. When he preaches, I hear the wisdom of a man who has faithfully followed Jesus for decades and has listened to his voice. He teaches those foundational truths of the Bible. A great reminder that our church lives and moves and breathes and has our being only in God. So commit to being a disciple, studying God's word and prayer. Join a small group. I'm the community life pastor. I can say that. We got a small group fair coming next week. Rob and Scott are doing a men's group Friday at 6.15 a.m. this fall. And they are going to be talking about discipleship. If you are a man interested in discipleship, take a chance. Go to this group. Mary and Paul and Tyler and Rosalind are leading a group on Thursday nights to talk about story. Dive into God's story in your own life and the lives of people around you. So small group fair next week in the cafe. See you there. Commit yourself to discipleship. And then the last one, choose to be engaged. So we are Mercy Vineyard Church. You are Mercy Vineyard Church. When you walked through these doors and you decided to call Mercy your church, you signed up to be a culture shaper. Creating a culture of belonging and welcome and pursuing God takes being present. Community can't happen if we're not gathering together. And Sundays can't be it. This can't be the only time we are gathering together. Relationships are formed as we prioritize our time and our resources and engage with our Mercy community. So there's a simple motto for it. Show up, serve, give. Show up, be present, attend to At Mercy Wednesday class, come to a work day, try out a reading group, say hello to people in the cafe. Serve, healthy relationships are give and take. There are brief seasons, and there are seasons where we need to take time off, and yet being engaged in a healthy community means serving. Kiang says this so well. When we serve in the church or as the church, we change the focus from ourselves to others. So there are people here who are God is activating into gifts, using gifts here at Mercy. Tune into that. Don't know what your gifts are and you don't know where to serve? Sandy Hagen has a spiritual gifts class that she's offering at Mercy Wednesdays. For some of you, God might be asking you to serve in kids. Did you know on a Sunday morning, we can see each other in here, that 40% of people who are in this building on a Sunday morning are kids? Like, we can't see them because Cassie does such a great job running a great program. 40%, that means almost half the people who walk into this place on a Sunday are under the age of 18. As a church, we're discipling hundreds of kids each week, and we're raising up Holy Spirit-filled, prophetic, Jesus-loving children. But the harvest is plenty, the workers are few. Does that sound familiar? Our kids need invested adults who love Jesus and who are going to spend an hour and a half with them one Sunday a month. Could that be you? Is God calling that to you? Are you going to be mercy, maybe give up a preference to be out here drinking the medium roast coffee and instead you're back there with the kids. You're preferring our children who are culture shapers. I have a connections name tag for anybody who wants to greet in the cafe. There are people who walk into these doors and all they want is for someone to say hello. Serve. And then finally, give. That just the generosity of God creates overflow in our lives and we become more generous with our own resources when we seek him. So healthy communities give back. So with that, guys, we are mercy. We pursue healthy relationships. This is one of the most exciting times in my 11 years at Mercy because God is at work here. The Holy Spirit is doing a new work. He is building a new foundation of really healthy, good things, and you get to be a part of that. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. He's inviting you to take part of building a new culture and vision here at Mercy. 
through relationships with God, others, and self. So with that, I'm going to invite the the Holy Spirit to come. Yes. Through worship, the worship team can come up. And I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit would come. They have a great worship set. Um, and, and I really think this, the invitation for us right now is where is God drawing you into healthy relationships with God, others, and self, and what might he have for you? So, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come as the worship team comes up to lead us in time of worship. I pray that you would be speaking. I pray that you would speak to the places where people feel unseen and feel hurt. And God, I just say, like, as a community, we say, like, if there's any in-groupness or spirit of unwelcome here at Mercy, get out in the name of Jesus. Instead, we invite you to come, Holy Spirit, a culture of welcome and belonging. God, and where people, I just pray that, like, you would be drawing people to, to figure out, like, where, what this looks like for them in our community and where it looks like for them to serve and be and grow and move. So, come, Holy Spirit. Amen.